0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Promising results for the vaccine being developed here by the University of Oxford and AstraZeneca. Some good news to share today on the vaccine front. Out of the United Kingdom there were preliminary results from a Phase 1-2 trial of a candidate developed by the University of Oxford. In this particular trial, there were over 1,000 participants, and the early results show that the vaccine is relatively safe and also produces an antibody and T-cell response that may be able to help fight the coronavirus. Also, a Phase 2 vaccine trial out of China showed promising immune responses, and there is encouraging data coming out of trials conducted in Germany by Pfizer and BioNTech These are just a few of the 24 COVID-19 vaccines currently in clinical trials around the world. It's all pretty exciting, and there is legitimate cause for optimism. But it's still too early to say whether or not these vaccines will offer the kind of protection we need to beat this virus. And that's why more research trials are underway. But with all this talk about vaccines, a question I get more than any other is how will the vaccine actually work and will it be safe? So in this episode, I sat down and talked to one of the nation's top experts to help explain the science behind all of this. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's Chief Medical Correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact Versus Fiction.
2: Well, there's still a lot we don't know about this virus infection, and and I think people have noticed that it can sometimes evolve fairly slowly.
1: I spoke with Dr. Barney Graham, the deputy director of the Vaccine Research Center at the National Institutes of Health. He's been at the center of developing the NIH's current vaccine candidate. Dr. Graham has worked on vaccines for decades, and he says one big challenge when it comes to fighting these coronaviruses is that it involves isolating a very particular kind of protein, something called the spike protein.
2: These kinds of proteins are important for the virus to enter cells. Those, those proteins sit on top of the virus and then undergo a rearrangement analogous to a transformer toy or a transformer movie where robots can turn into cars. And these proteins are interesting because they start in one shape and they end in a different shape. And depending on which shape you use, you get a good response to a vaccine or a not so good response to a vaccine.
1: So, I want to make sure you understand this. When the spike protein binds to a cell, it changes shape and infects the cell. In order for a vaccine to prevent infection, it has to target the virus's spike protein with the antibodies before it reaches the cell and before it changes shape.
2: Because if the virus cannot attach to the cell, You know, it won't be able to get in. So,
3: just just recapping a little bit. Obviously, you want to create a protein that represents the pre-fusion form of the the spike protein in this case, not the post-fusion form. But other than that, you are basically uh, um, you're you're giving you're you're having the body recognize the virus as if they had been infected, right? I mean, this is it should be the antibody response should be similar as if someone had been exposed to the virus itself. And that is critical because it allows the body to recognize it, but also critical so that people, so it doesn't infect human cells?
2: Well, this protein by itself can not infect human cells, but uh, if we can make antibodies to the original functional form of the protein on the virus, those antibodies will block that function and then that'll prevent the virus from infecting the cell.
3: Can people get sick, like actually get the infection from this
1: vaccine?
2: No, no. So what we're giving is uh, not really like the virus, but it makes this viral protein.
1: The National Institutes of Health, where Dr. Graham works, recently published interim results in the New England Journal of Medicine that provided some promising data about the vaccine, but also discussed the side effects. In this paper that just came out, they did talk about people Having
3: these, these side effects. They were things like headache and fever and malaise and muscle pain. It's not the you're not getting infected, obviously. It's not the virus itself. Why do people develop these side effects then?
2: I'm an infectious disease physician who's done a lot of clinical trials and since the mid-1980s, starting with HIV vaccine clinical trials. And these kinds of side effects are very common to almost all vaccines, even the commonly uh, used and licensed vaccines. So what you saw in, in this setting is that at the 25 and 100 microgram dose, you saw uh, very little reaction at, uh, after the first dose, but then some reaction after the second dose, but virtually all those reactions were either mild or moderate. Now, when you get to the higher dose of 250, Some of those people had more severe reactions. Three out of 14 had grade three reactions um, for fever and muscle aches and things like that, similar to what sometimes you experience after some of our licensed vaccines. But, you know, the reason for doing these phase one trials is to find uh, a dose, uh, to, to find what dose level is acceptable and tolerable.
3: Let me ask about the, the, the study that just came out. Then it showed that there was, again, neutralizing antibody activity. Uh, first of all, w- were you surprised or was that, was that pretty much a given?
2: We had done mouse studies uh, and we knew that this was working in mice and making good antibodies in mice before we ever injected the first person. So we knew from the mouse studies and now we know from the monkey studies that this protein can uh, elicit good neutralizing activity. So it wasn't a big surprise uh, that we could do that in humans. I was pleasantly surprised, I think, about the level of neutralizing antibody. It it exceeded uh, my expectations.
3: If you're seeing that level of neutralizing antibody activity, can you give some context of what that means in terms of the likely efficacy, how well this vaccine is likely to work?
2: I think it's hard to speculate for sure, but in the mouse and now monkey studies that we've done, we've shown that this, these kinds of levels of antibody can protect uh, both the lung and the nose from infection in these animal models. And that is our primary goal. You
3: said something very interesting to me on the phone the other day. I I, I was bringing up the issue that you got about a third of the country that uh, is already demonstrating some vaccine hesitancy. Right. They're already They're already sort of showing some trepidation about this new vaccine. It's not even out yet. We only got phase one results. How do you how do you
2: handle that? I really hope that uh, by. Trying to explain some of this, and for people to start understanding the biology of vaccines, that it will make them less hesitant and more likely to join us in trying to establish this community immunity that we're we're looking for. What people have called herd immunity. I'm hoping that this vaccine could be as much as 70 or 80 percent effective. I I think that would be a success. I'd like it to be 95 percent effective, but if it could even be 70 or 80% effective, and we need 60 or 70% of immunity to really establish this, what's called herd immunity, that means almost 100% of people would have to be vaccinated to establish that level of immunity in the population. So, if a third of people don't take it, we'll only be able to reach around 40 or 50% immunity in the population uh, with that type of a vaccine. I think it's really important for that uh, third of people uh, to come along and try to help us and understand how these vaccines work so they they won't be uh, so hesitant.
1: No doubt, it's exciting that we're making such rapid progress on a vaccine for the virus. It is the only real end in sight. And the fact that multiple studies around the world are now showing promising results makes the light at the end of the tunnel seem that much closer. But like Dr. Graham said, Creating an effective vaccine is only the first step. In order for it to work, enough people need to be willing to get the vaccine. By talking about how a vaccine really works, I hope we can take away some of the mystery and some of the fear surrounding it. Maybe if we all understood the basics, we'd be less hesitant to get the vaccine once it arrives, because that's what's needed for all of us to finally beat this virus together. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.